It should probably tell you something that I waited several days to go check out a Star Wars story. Solo came out on May 25th, 2018. Today is June 12th, 2018. That means almost two weeks have gone by, more than two weeks have gone by, before I, Hugo Torres, Star Wars fan, went to go check out a Star Wars story. I, I don't know about where you live, but here uh, in Southern California, where I'm at, it's not necessarily cheap to go see a, to see a movie. So we're very mindful and you know about when we go and check out a new flick. Uh, and since it's summertime now, and our local theater does five dollar movies on Tuesday, uh, I decided to wait and you know and, and catch something that usually I would be the first one in the theater to go check out, but. <clears throat> After The Last Jedi, uh, kind of the brakes have been put on me with, with, with regards to this fandom of Star Wars. And, and it makes me think, do I, do, is this really a movie that I need to see? And like I've told you guys before in other shows, it's not like I'm the kind of person that looks at reviews from people before I see any movies. I don't. I try not to get an, uh, you know, an overall idea of what the movie's like. I like to make m- my mind on my own. But for whatever reason... I hesitated really with Solo, maybe because of uh, The Last Jedi, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that Harrison Ford's characters, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Jack Ryan, uh, Han Solo, uh, and others, they're like father figures to me. (laughs) And I know that sounds really stupid, but I built my a big chunk of my persona at least when I was a kid based on his characters I wanted that smirk that he had I wanted that everyday quality that that ability to to look like pain was occurring to you and you still kept on going because nothing was going to stop you uh I like that greedy oily uh there's something about Harrison Ford I'm sorry that his characters, at least, that they were not clean cut. They were not the pristine James Bond, which is another big uh, influencer of mine. But they weren't clean cut. They were gritty. At least as gritty as an 11-year-old who watches Star Wars for the first time you know, can get. You know, that, that scene, I remember watching A New Hope. And I don't know why I remember it this way, and I may be wrong, but I distinctly recall... Han shooting first and thinking, fuck, that guy, that guy's badass. That guy, you, you, you don't know, he's, he, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Uh, but there's something about this guy that has gravity and I'm being pulled towards him. And the more, to this day, I, I really do think that to me, as much as people like Luke Skywalker, and I've said this before, but as people, as much as people enjoy that character and they consider that to be the main driving force about Star Wars, for me, Star Wars is at least 50% Han Solo. Hey, listen, feel free to disagree. Write me a note. Tell me that, that I'm full of it. But to me, Han is, again, in that level of influence on, on, on a kid like me, or at least when I was a kid. So to have somebody attempt to recreate that lightning in a bottle, 
that is Harrison Ford. I just don't think it can be done. And so going into the movie or thinking about the movie, I really, 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 really hope that they weren't going to fuck it up. Because it could be so e simple to screw it, to screw it up. And I gotta give credit to 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 the gentleman that uh, created that, that played Han, uh, Alden Henrik, I think is his name. Um, I think that he did a fantastic job with it. Um, he he didn't hit all the marks, but again, nobody could. That is an impossibility. Nobody could possibly hit all the marks. But for but I found them to actually be quite engaging. I find them to be roguish. And I find, if, you know, nobody ever becomes the person that they are right from the get-go, right? I didn't become the Hugo that I am today at 12. It, it took layering over the years of encountering different personalities, you know, overcoming different challenges, succeeding and failing, uh, life happening to me to to develop the sense of humor and, and the ability to talk about all the things that I talk about, to have the knowledge that I have. All of that has taken, it's the patina that we have to ourselves. At least if you're, you know, if you're an interesting person, you've, you tack on all of these different layers and that eventually leads to the personality that you are. Now, that could also mean that you could become an asshole, but I like to think that over time I've become as close to uh, to my uh, movie heroes as I wanted. Um, I'm told I'm charming. Some, you may not think so, but some think I am. Some think I'm roguish. My kids certainly think I'm weird. Uh, but all of these things, all these accolades that I have uh, developed over time and uh, that I've created over time, they came, you know, at a cost of living a life. And so to go back to the actor, to think, well, you're going to get Han at, let's say, 21 when this is going on, you're not. It takes a long time to become the brutish, or, and the brutish is not the right word, the devil-may-care kind of character that he, is, that he is by the time that he arrives uh, in episode four. So, as I have seen reviews of other people after the fact, where they're talking about, well, this mean this is not our Han Solo. Well, of course he's not going to be, but he's on his way to becoming one. And I actually happen to, as I start thinking about the movie now, I, I'm actually starting to really appreciate what the actor did. Uh, it, that he didn't give us a hundred percent because it also it was never going to happen. But he gave us he he gave us in the director with him uh, the inkling, the seeds of how this character became the way that he is. And, and also, I like the fact that this character is not jaded, like maybe Han eventually became, and also the way that Harrison Ford came to feel about the character. That's the reason why he wanted to kill him uh, by what, episode two? I mean, episode five, he wanted him gone. Um, but there's something to be said about our simpler selves when we were full of life and every and we were naive about the ugliness of things and uh, the fact that we that we seen that we did trust people and I am going to go over spoilers in, in this review or if you want to call it that more I don't think that I review movies more than I merge what it is that I see on screen with what's going on in my life but um the, there was a time when I wasn't jaded there was a time when I saw the world in black and white and things 
uh, in the, there were good guys, there were bad guys, and the good guys always won, and the bad guys got maybe to a chance to fight another day because, hey, you got to have sequels, but it was all very clear. And over time, I've come to realize that, no, the good guys don't always win. I certainly haven't uh, always got what I wanted. I have seen people that I think were less uh, kind become successful, uh, and that jades me. Uh, I've been knocked down by life several times over the years where it, it, at times where I thought, why is this happening to me? I'm one of the good guys, I think. Uh, but I've all, but I, I, I think I, I still retain some, some of the naiveness and I like seeing characters who haven't yet been sullied by the ugliness of life. And if you see a Han Solo story, you could tell that this is a guy who went through war who lost loves, who had friends die along the way. And yeah, that in time will get to you. And still, and still, the fact that Han always had that glimmer, at least when I got to, when I met him in the, in the 80s, he still had that glimmer of, yeah, I'm, I'm re- trying really hard to be the bad guy, but I ain't. And that's the reason why he comes back at the very end of episode four, right? Because he's not the asshole that we thought that he might be. He actually turns out to be the good guy. And that's why he's deserving of somebody like Leia. Because she sees past all that. The fact that he is a good guy. And that, and they do mention that in the movie. And I, and I enjoyed and I like that. Um, I think it's, I, I, I think, the, again, it's the glimmers who eventually the character becomes. So, I, I really, I, I would love to have five minutes with Harrison Ford. Not that he would ever talk about it, because I think he's pretty done with this whole franchise. But I would really love to have him look back at at this, at what Elden did, Alden did, and ask him what you think of how he portrayed you. Because I think that might be an interesting conversation. But again, I don't think Harrison Ford. He's certainly not going to come on my little show. And second of all, I don't think he likes to talk about things Star Wars much. But um. So, what did I think overall about the movie? I I I have mixed feelings uh, about the whole thing. Um, I think Rogue One was a much better standalone story, so I guess that tells you something. I think that is it something that I would watch again eventually if it was something that was available on a Netflix for free. I don't know that I would go out and buy this movie even to this day, as six months or whatever. After Last Jedi, I still haven't purchased that movie. I haven't been able to justify the cost of buying it. Plus, some of these end up eventually on Netflix, so you know you're gonna you, know, you can watch them there for free. Actually, I don't think the episodes the episodes are uh, are gonna ever show up on Netflix. I think Disney makes too much money of on selling them. But uh, but uh, definitely the stories. I think that this will eventually find you know find itself there, and, and we'll give it a watch. Um, so, anyways. I have mixed feelings because there's a lot of good things here uh, and I think that there's an opportunity for there to be a sequel and I think I would watch it. I would go to the to the theater and watch it. But there's a lot of things that I wish they hadn't, they hadn't done. First and foremost, Woody Harrelson. Now, mind you that I like him as an actor. Uh, his turn on True Detective I thought was inspired. Woody Harrelson is one of those guys that you thought he's the duh idiot guy from Cheers. What the hell is he going to do? And his, you know, amount of work, what he's been able to accomplish after that. And it, it's really 
you know, he's quite a very interesting uh, character actor. He does so many different things. But to me, he's recognizable. And on the small screen, it's fine. But in a Star Wars movie, I really wish they would have gone with an unknown. I don't think that the, the, you know, that his part was written so interesting, interestingly that only Woody Harrelson could, could have played it. I think a, a, another actor could have and would have done a, you know, would have at least given more of an air of mystery to, to Harrelson. I, for whatever reason, I kept on seeing the guy from the Hunger Games, and I don't, I don't remember uh, all the characters there, but to me, uh, I, I just kept on seeing kind of the, uh, you know, out, down and out guy who, you know, drinks a little bit more, who's jaded, who's going to tell you the cl- the cliche word of, um, you know, don't trust anybody. He played Hamish, Hamish something or other on Hunger Games. You know what I mean? So, no, I, I wish that they hadn't chosen that, chosen Woody as, as a character in the movie. I think that he actually took something away from me. And he was competent, don't get me wrong, but I could almost feel the beats to his character and and therefore it took away from him. So that's something that I would have changed. I also don't like how they went about using the droid in this film. Um, the droid in Rogue One, his, again, spoilers, if you haven't watched these movies, come on guys, you know, these are, some of these are at least a couple of years old. So sorry if I'm spoiling anything for anybody, but you know, chill out. So anyways, Rogue One, uh, they killed, they eventually killed you know, the, the main droid in the movie. Uh, and I felt that, a K2SO, um, I felt that death. I think that was a, a death that deserved mourning because the character actually had a lot to give. He had soul, for lack of a better term. It was somebody who sacrificed, you know, in the moment, um, it had gravity. Whereas this character, um, it was too close to, to home, um, it was too every day for me to really care about its death. And I could understand why Lando you know, would give a shit and, and, and rush out and try to save, uh, save her. I guess it would, you know, we consider her because of the voice. But I didn't feel like that was earned. I don't think that that droid was developed you know, uh, enough for you to really care that much. And so, but in, and then it's also not that two makes a pattern, but this whole concept that the droids are going to be disposable things that we're supposed to care about and, and they're going to make ultimate sacrifices, but at the end of it, we, we move on from the death very, very quickly. I don't think that the movie did a really good job of selling why we should care about this character. So that, to me, was a problem. The alleged bad guy, the Marauders, uh, in the film, have you seen it? Uh, that twist of it being one, you know, you think it's one character, mainly a male character, and it turns out to be something else. That, uh, I didn't understand why that needed to happen. If Again, spoilers, but if it was a female character, fine, be a female character. I think we're at a point now where you could have a female character just be as fierce from the standpoint of being fierce than anybody else. I just caught Atomic Blonde the other day and Charlize Theron, both in that and Matt Max, Fury Road, like she can kick ass. I, If I were encounter Atomic Blonde on the middle of the street, I wouldn't fuck with her. 
because she's gonna fuck you up. I mean, that's a character that is, you know, Jason Bourne type of brutality when it comes to the hits on TV. And I didn't flinch a bit when it was because of the fact that it was, it, it was a woman. It was just a kick-ass combatant. And don't get in their don't get in their way unless you want to get in, you know, unless you want to get hit. And it's also a character that could take a hit brutally. Some if you haven't seen Atomic Blonde, I I I recommend it just for the score alone. It's fucking. It's an, if you're an '80s kid, you'll you'll love it. But again, we are at a point where uh, you don't have to mask. It, it or made you think, oh, that's a that's a man behind that, so that's what's going to be scary. And then, oh no, it, in fact, it was a woman all along. No, I think women can be just as fierce. So just play this, the the character as it is. I found that confusing, and I thought, well, I, I don't understand that as a choice. And in 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 a sense, and it's that's one of the problems with characters that wear ma- masks. That if the reveal isn't done the right way, um, it can take away from their power. Kylo Ren is the is the opposite example of that. I think Kylo Ren uh, is a good in between. When he reveals the mask, I do think that Adam Driver is just kind of scary looking onto his own because he's got an interesting face. So mask on or mask off, I think that he's an interesting character. I think one of my disappointments in watching Return of the Jedi was when Darth Vader's mask comes off because all of a sudden he stops being a you know the fiercest. Uh, character in the galaxy and becomes just a guy with a lot of burns and, and you only see his eyes and, and, and it's from an odd angle so the weight of the menace comes off and I think that was one of the challenges that I had with this character is that she just seemed too too sweet and and I know that that's basically what it costs because you're supposed to, they're supposed to that you want to become they they want that those characters to become endearing to the audience as quickly as possible. But for me, it fell flat because they could have had a you know again if they were gonna go with the oh it's a guy or it's a girl trick, they could have you know chosen somebody that had some real age to their eyesight. You know what I mean by age when you have seen a lot of shit over in your life. And your gaze tells you that you're somebody that has a lot of memory in there that you're trying to process. Versus new, younger eyes who still see the world in, you know, in, in a naive way. Which is what I saw in this character. So I, I thought that that was, that was a misfire. And it could have been handled better. With regards to... Uh, I think the name of the character that I'm uh, talking about is Emphis Nest. Uh, and like I said, okay. All right. Um, Kira, she's one of those characters that, and, and, and I think that's one of the problems with modern movies. And for any of us who have been around for a long time and have seen plenty of movies where it's heist kind of films, the, the old adage, which I think it was a play to a certain degree on Raiders of the Lost Ark, the don't trust anybody thing that Woody Harrelson line that, that Woody Harrelson line uh yeah you end up always thinking well when's the shoe gonna drop when is the shoe gonna drop which one of these guys is gonna turn um and still stay within character now you know it's not gonna be Chewie you know it's not it's not gonna be Han they're not that kind of character but you know Lando could have you know a trick up his sleeve literally and figuratively um Kira, you're not quite sure because she keeps on dropping hints like, I'm not who you think I am. You have Woody Harrelson, which just by virtue of him saying the line, you kind of expect it to happen. So it's, in that sense, it's it's all very, you can telegraph it. 
right? Um, so I do think that the twist, which I will not give away, that one I, I will save, but that very twist at the end with her character, I thought was interesting. And I noticed that my kids who sat next to me, they kind of like their eyes went wide open and they thought, oh shit, did that just really happen? Which in that sense, I think that was successful and that was that was very cool. And it does make you excited about a second movie. So in that sense, it's pretty smart of the, the way that they wrote it, where you would like want to see like, all right, well, what's the resolution to that conversation? What could happen? But again, I, I, I thought her to be, I don't know. I, I just, I never really got invested in her character. I, I saw the vulnerability more than I saw the viciousness. I know she kept on saying, well, I've done some shit in life. There's some things that I've had to do. But because you never got to see her doing it, you don't believe that she is capable of that. Maybe if they had had a, uh, uh, a scene where she was, as described, you know, somebody who committed atrocities, because it's basically what's being described, then I would have believed that she has the power to uh, manipulate and to betray but they never do that. The last time that we spend time on screen before she reappears back in the in the in the yacht is her, you know, losing her her only love, her puppy love, you know, at a wall. And so, yeah, you get it. I mean, this is horrible and it's terrible. And but you identify her as um, a Juliet type of character who just lost the love of his life, her life. You ne- you don't think make a switch and think well then she you know she did what she had to do to survive that to a certain degree for me anyways cannot be described it has to be shown and since it wasn't shown I never invested in the fact that she was as menacing as she told us that she was or that she or her actions were described as she was so I I I I like the character I like the actress I think that she did a, a, a good job with it but I was never sold that you know that she was the terrible you know individual that we might have gotten had they shown us a scene where she was so that was an issue for me uh Thandie newton it's weird because i i am loving her in westworld i think she's one of the most interesting characters in the second season uh she's going through some stuff and so to see Thandie newton really just be used as uh uh, I don't know. I don't know how you would describe her. She, you know, she, she, she's a means to an end. There needs to be some type of death, which I don't even think Woody Harrelson sold. And that's one of the problems with with any of these movies is that characters don't mourn enough. I know that if I lost somebody that I loved, I would be devastated. Even in the grips of who the fuck knows? Maybe I would. And maybe if if there's blasters going all around me, I think about myself and 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 how I would die. But you know, in these movies, you you mourn for about two for about a minute and a half, and then you're back at it, and you don't seem like to ever process. It wasn't like, and even in the original, so I'm not gonna knock you know it, it, all movies, but even in episode four, when you have Ben Kenobi died, I mean Luke is grief stricken for about two and a half minutes, and then blasters start coming all over the place, and he finds himself in the, you know, uh, at at the cannon. So it's not like they gave him a lot of time to deal with it, but perhaps maybe episode two i'm sorry episode five and episode six are the continuation of the morning um but 
But again, in these movies, they don't typically deal with that level of, of sadness very long. So when Tandy goes away, like I even felt that her sacrifice was rushed. Like we couldn't find another different way for maybe to help her out. No, she kind of makes up her mind real quickly that I'm going to end it all here and it's all over. Goodbye. And and you get one scream from Harrelson, his character, and then he's done. Like, really? This is supposed to be somebody that you care about and you're moving on way too fast. To me, they didn't do a very good job selling that. And I think that's to a service to a fantastic actress like Tandy Newton, who can really do some, you know, some fantastic dramatic work. So, again, I thought that was a bit of a failure. So, bright spots. Um, fucking A, Lando Calrissian. So, uh, Danny Glover, right? Um, Don- Donald Glover. My, my apologies. Donald Glover. Uh, um, charming as hell, man. I thought he was he was charming. Uh, he was, uh, you know, it, I I I, ne- I never really got Billy Dee Williams. It's funny when I think about the original movies. I think about Han and I think about Leia and Luke, um, but I I never really thought of Lando like a big character in the Star Wars movies. At least not when I was a kid. As I've gotten older, I realized, oh fucking hey, he was in both. It was he was in, you know more time than Alec Guinness even had in the movies, right? But here, like, I would find, I would watch a uh, Lando Calrissian movie, and 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 not even has anything to do with space fights. I just like for him to be in a casino, you know, playing his game. I mean, that is a smooth motherfucker, and I enjoyed watching that smoothness of his voice. And I and I didn't think it was a caricature of Billy Dee Williams. I thought it was um, Donald Glover just kind of embodying the smoothness of somebody who makes his way through life just talking sweet nothings into people's ear. Uh, He's certainly that kind of cat that would sit in the middle of a group and just have everybody hang hang on to every single word. I love that about it. I love this introduction. I love the way that he ended. Uh, he, he he didn't even have to be on screen to be funny. I mean, there's a there's a point in the movie where Han is trying to make a point, and you know, uh, Lando just takes off and disappoints him. Like that's some funny shit, and it's very much in line with who Lando I think would be. It's like I'm looking out for myself, guys. So fuck off. I'm gonna do my own thing. So Donald Glover, I I thought he was a really bright spot. In the movie, he's also one of the brightest, you know, he's got some of the most brightest wardrobe that I've ever seen on, on the Star Wars. Um, kind of makes me want to maybe get a cape one day. I thought he was very, very cool. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was that was fun and that was interesting. The, the only thing that I really didn't get sold to me is the relationship between him and the droid. I'm like, uh, come on. It, that, for me, is too outlandish. Space battles... And fucking worm aliens, I can get. Do uh, an alien and a droid, I mean, a, and a human and a droid fucking? Probably not so much. But hey, listen, to each his own, right? I, I did want to touch upon one thing. I, I read some interviews, and I could be completely wrong, about uh, how Donald Glover describes um, Lando, Cal- uh, uh, Lando Calrissian, that he is pansexual. Again, I could be completely wrong about this. So, as I'm talking to you, I'm going to do a quick search online for the whole thing. Um, but here's the crazy part. I Yeah, so it says on Washington Post, Donald Glover confirms Lando Calrissian is pansexual, which I'll be honest, I don't know what, a, what pansexual is. Uh, I guess I'll have to do some more reading and I'll get back to you all. 
right? I'll, I'll put the link to the article uh, in, in the show notes. But anyways, uh, it's funny because, again, this is me seeing the movies when I was 12 years old and the impressions that it made. I love the roguishness of um, Han Solo, right? I love the smooth talking. And then by the time Billy D. Williams came about, I was a little bit older. But remember, I didn't watch the movies originally in 1977. I watched them, uh, you know, t- about 10 years after, at least the first one, when I was 10 years old. Um, so I-, I could maybe see uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, like maybe within a year of one another, because the movies have already come out. I think that the timeline's right. So I saw both characters, I mean, I saw Han and I saw um, Lando within, you know, a few years of one another. So it wasn't like there was a big gap in in the way. Therefore, I got to see them around the, you know, when I was 12, maybe 14, 15. So anyways, what's funny to me is that Star Wars has always been to a certain degree asexual. Like I knew there was kissing, I knew there was the romance between Han and Leia and, and that... Han was always trying to woo, and Leia was always a bit taken aback. But you can tell that there was an attraction there. But he, uh, but she fought it. She really fought it. And uh, even in, in, in Empire Strikes Back, you kind of have the bit of jealousy that uh, Han may have for Lando because Lando because he's so damn smooth. Uh, although I never thought that Leia even had an interest in in the guy. Right, and it's also that little bit of jealousy that Han has towards Luke, which at that point was like, you know, they're brother and sister, right? Or and then she tells him, so it's kind of that weird creepiness. But I never really thought of any of the characters as hooking up. In that sense, it was all very simple. Yeah, they kissed, um, but they weren't gonna fuck. That was not ever part of the Star Wars um, mythos for me. Like they, they, there was no sexuality in, in Star Wars. So for now a character to say, well, I am, I have a sexuality and this is what I am. Like to me, it doesn't matter. Right. And who, who knows? I mean, th- maybe that is the whole point is that if you look at Star Wars from the standpoint of, you know, maybe our better selves, which wouldn't be because there's an empire and. You know, nobody wants to live under, you know, uh, one leader that tries to tell everybody what to do and and tries to oppress a whole bunch of people. I mean, that would be terrible to happen uh, in modern times. Right. But, you know, I I, like I don't care. Like, so, you know, uh, Lando can go either way. Okay. It doesn't matter because that's not what happens in Star Wars. At least not to me. You know, you're, they're never going to show that scene. So why do we care what the sexuality is? Sorry, that is a very long tangent. It's just something that I I read somewhere or other. I or I heard an inference to it, and I always thought, well, that's weird because who cares? Who, who, you know, we're never going to see that. It, it doesn't matter. Let's get back to the point at hand. That's the story. So, either way, Lando's a cool dude. Uh, I would love to see a Lando story. Uh, I think he's, you know, I, I think that he played it very smartly. Like I said, it was just a cool scene. Now let's talk about Chewie, because to me, Chewie steals so many scenes. And funny enough is that he doesn't have, you know, your regular dialogue, or uh, he's growling the entire time. But I enjoyed truly the the meeting between them two. Uh, yes, of course, it's a reference to the Roncor pit. Um, but it, it was done in a very smart 
way, I thought, uh, the interaction between the two. I like the fact that somebody in a Star Wars movie got to do the weird thing that we all learned how to do when we were kids, and he actually did it to communicate. Like, I thought that was an, a very interesting thing uh, that the writers put in there. I, I'm glad that they didn't prolong that very much, and obviously that has not been used after the fact in any other movies, but at least to, to tell you that Han had traveled enough to know a little bit of the language and that he could speak it, uh, I thought that was a cute, uh, cute meet between the between the two. So, uh, you know, Chewie, I think he has always been one of the most sensitive uh, characters in the entire Star Wars movie, and I think that plays very well here. Uh, I think it's interesting that yeah, he is so much older than a lot of these people. What did they say? Like he's 192 by the time that the, the, the movie's already started, which means that Chewie has seen a lot of shit. Uh, and obviously he was kind of a slave or just a kept beast in, 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 in the prison that they were being sent to. So that sucks because you don't know how long Chewie spent there, how much trauma he must have you know, you know, had living in that pit. And the fact that the, you know, the chemistry that Han and Chewie have, I've, I feel in that sense... The movie does a good job to show that development. That it wasn't just a, you know, oh, okay, I saved you and now we're best friends. They have that interaction as they're kind of both looking off into the sunset before they go into the, you know, the next adventure on the train where they did talk about freedom and they, and they do discuss things like how long have you been around. And uh, those little tidbits I thought were interesting and cool. And I think Chewie is a scene stealer in this movie. So that's something that I appreciated. And not that I would ever want to see a, Chewbacca movie but uh, I want more Chewbacca at the end of the day I want Chewbacca to always be okay and uh, real quick hearkening back to A Force Awakens um, Chewie's mourning of Han um, I thought that was handled well uh, I've, I've, when he's growling after seeing Han die that felt a hell of a lot more real than any of the forced emotion in the original, you know, the, the first trilogy, episode one, two, and three. Like, I, I, I could understand why Chewie would mourn Han even more maybe than Leia would. Because I think Chewie and Han spent a hell of a lot more time together than Han and Leia ever did. And Chewie saw past Han's issues. Uh, and, and I think they were real partners. And, and the fact that your real partner in life dies that must have been traumatizing and the fact that you get to keep on going and you're still part of this battle for the soul of the galaxy that you know that the continuing stories of Chewbacca I think are extremely interesting maybe Chewbacca is a Star Wars story or in Star Wars is a Chewbacca story um so there's that and, and finally I guess just to to end here um I would watch a second movie I wouldn't rush to see a second movie, though. I don't think that I'm that invested in the characters. I think that the the, the individual who played the, the titular um, character did a fine job. He's fine. But you can't replace Harrison Ford as Han Solo. It's impossible. Uh, nobody will do it better. And I think that's where this movie, as hard as it, would, it, it tries... It just cannot succeed because that actor created 
such an enigmatic character that you just cannot cannot uh, cannot overcome that and cannot create something that's going to touch it. So in that sense, to a certain degree, I hope that whatever movies come next here from Star Wars, other than the episodes, which I think I'm also done with the episodes. I think episode nine should be the last. Um, but I'm not done with Star Wars. But I would like to have a new set of enigmatic characters. Show us something new. And, and there's been talk about doing the Old Republic. You know, galaxies are very big place. Show us, show me something that is completely different. You know, you have the entire, you know, all the paintbrushes available to you to create worlds, to create stories. I don't need for everything to revolve around the people that I grew up with. Because to a certain degree, uh, I've already made up my mind about who they are. And I love them as they are, warts and all. Don't chip away at who it is that I care about. Because once you chipped away at it, you can't really get it back. I'll end with, with this, and I think that's that that goes to the core of what I'm saying. There, as 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 lovely as the castle the castle run was in this movie, and it was very well done. Uh, there was some exciting moments. I know that my kids were uh, at the edge of their seat for some of the moments. What the uh, the mythos of the castle run in my head is what I've created in my head is a thousand times more exciting than what I saw on the screen. Now, if you were to tell me, film it, I couldn't possibly. I don't have the knowledge. Uh, but I also, I think some of it needs to live in my head as mythology. And the screen, as wonderful as it is, to pour it into it, I don't know that it's that it's feasible. And second of all, if you were saying, well, just make it for yourself so that you can watch it, great. But with these movies, you also have to please an entire set of people and you have to make it be you know, uh, commercially uh, successful. And so you got to play it safe at certain spots and that hampers your ability to do certain things. So some things like the Kessel Run, I liked what I saw on the screen but it doesn't beat the mythology that I have in my head. And that's eventually who Han Solo is. The, 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 the persona, the myth, the gravity, the, the, the grittiness that this character is cannot be replicated even by the most talented of actors. There's only one Harrison Ford. So, <laughs> so there you go. That's my take on Solo. If you enjoyed the movie, uh, please let me know what it is that you enjoyed it. If you, if, you, if you think that I'm off the mark on some of my points on it, by all means, please let me know. I appreciate everybody that has been sending messages. Lots of great ideas. You can check out uh, my Twitter uh, account, at Hugo's Post. You can see me on the Instagram, at Hugo Torres. Uh, please uh, subscribe to the to the podcast. Let me know what you think. Peace on to you.